Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 30, produced 24 July, 2016. When one thinks of visiting Scotland, many things come to mind. Golf, whiskey, castles, Nessie, genealogy, and more. Not often found near the top of that list, though, is sailing. But perhaps it should be. Scotland offers thousands of miles of breathtaking coastline, as well as shimmering inland lochs and peaceful, relaxing canals. All are poised to reveal a Scotland not often seen by tourists unless you don your boat shoes, get up on deck, and under sail. When we return, we go out on the water here under the tartan sky. Scotland has been changing the world as we know it for centuries one innovation at a time. The television, telephone, even the tyres on your automobile are all possible thanks to Scottish ingenuity. And that's just the tease. In 2016, Scotland celebrates the Year of Innovation, Architecture and Design. It's a time to discover unique crafts, textiles and designs, including tartan and Harris tweed. A time to marvel at architecture, both old and new, from the Scottish National Gallery in Edinburgh to Glasgow's Clyde Auditorium. A time to wonder at the engineering brilliance of feats like the Fourth Bridge or the towering sculptures of the Kelpies. There's more to Scotland than bagpipes, whisky and breathtaking natural beauty. Come and experience the year of innovation, architecture and design 2016. Come and experience Scotland. of its breathtaking natural beauty, historic charm, and whiskey-laced fun, Scotland is rapidly emerging as a top destination for maritime tourism. Sailing is not new to Scotland. After all, Bonnie Prince Charlie did go over the sea to Skye. But Scotland, as a recreational sailing destination, has been, if you'll pardon the pun, sailing under the radar for many years, until recently. In 2015, Scotland was named World's Best Cruising Ground, essentially the best sailing destination in the world, in the Sailing Today Awards. Fortunately, you don't have to be a seasoned skipper or even a knowledgeable deckhand to enjoy getting oot on the water in and around Scotland. Visitors to Scotland can enjoy everything from luxury, fully catered yachting cruises to hands-on instruction that will have you even-keeled and ready to weigh anchor aboard your own wee vessel in almost no time at all. Daniel Steele is chief executive of Sail Scotland, the national marketing arm for Scotland's maritime tourism. Steele agrees that for too long, Scotland's exquisite sailing waters have been underappreciated as a staple of tourism, 
Buddy says that's changing. There's been very much a strategic focus on marine tourism for the past three years now. Uh, we've worked with other stakeholder organizations, government, uh, industry to bring together a national marine tourism strategy for Scotland. The idea of that was really to sort of look at it and say, well, why, you know, why is it not considered in the same way as, uh, as golf and these other key pillars uh, to try and bring everybody that's been working on that area together to, uh, to work towards uh, being that world-class sailing destination that we uh, aspire to be. With regard to increasing maritime tourism, I'm sure that a word helps. Visit Scotland, which is the national tourist organization for Scotland, sets out a, a tourism theme each year. For example, I visited in 2014 for the first time, which appropriately enough was the, the year of homecoming, when those of us who are affinity Scots or uh, expats, etc., were to come back and visit Scotland. 2015 was the year of food and drink, promoting uh, Scotland's uh, various produce, whiskeys, gins, those things. And now this year is the year of innovation, architecture, and design. Sail Scotland has developed what I understand is a five-year tourism strategy uh, called Awakening the Giant that is seeking to grow maritime tourism uh, both to and I guess within Scotland. Are you working along the same thought process as Visit Scotland? Tell me a little about that program. Well, we work very closely with uh, with our partners at Visit Scotland um, and uh, indeed many of the theme years such as uh, you've mentioned, uh, for example, food and drink. We have a great synergy with the sailing tourism product anyway. It's, um, people don't want to stay in the boats all the time. They want to get off and taste uh, the freshly landed seafood. They want to anchor up next to a, uh, next to a distillery and take on some, uh, some malt whiskey. So there's all of those themed years uh, sit very much alongside and complementary to, to what we do in terms of marine tourism. The, the national marine tourism strategy is it's not only sales Scotland's it, uh, it is our national strategy and uh, and we've developed that plan in partnership with government industry and uh, and other key stakeholder organisations. But it, it's really about everybody working together to grow the economic benefit of uh, of sailing and uh, and the marine tourism offer. Um, it already contributes a lot. Uh, sailing alone uh, over a, over a hundred million a year already to the Scottish economy. But importantly, unlike some other areas of leisure tourism, uh, it particularly uh, benefits some very remote and uh, very fragile communities in Scotland that, that without visiting yachts uh, wouldn't have a great tourist income. Businesses on, you know, on, on peninsulas and, uh, and islands that, uh, that are visited by dozens and dozens of boats throughout the season, by which uh, visiting over land is much more difficult. With tourism, there's always an in-season and an out-of-season, if you will. Is there a in-season for um, sailing when it's really pristine and the time to be there? Or, or can you enjoy sailing year-round in Scotland? People do get on the water year-round, but I would say the season is effectively Easter to October in terms of the main sailing season uh, for, uh, for cruising around the coastline. Most people will get the uh, most Scottish bear holders, at least, will you know, put their boats back in the water around about March time and, and probably have it in the water through to around October. But in saying that, you know, there, there are events uh, right through, people will be doing dinghy sailing in, in coastal and uh, inland waters uh, right through. But that tends to be club sailing and, uh, and those types of activities rather than uh, rather than sort of tourist um, cruising, uh, which does tend to happen through the main summer season, you're right. And, and is there a reason for that with regard, is it is it weather, is it uh, sea conditions that, that sort of dictate that season? Both really, yes. I mean, obviously, uh, in comparison to most 
uh, leisure activities, the, the safety aspect to, to sailing uh, means that uh, the conditions, certainly conditions to, you know, be, be doing longer passages need to be reasonably settled uh, weather. Um, you know, the, uh, some of the winds uh, coming off the Atlantic during um, so November, December, January could be uh, fairly harsh and, and could change fairly quickly. That said, you know, people do have the boats in the water at that time of year uh, for some. But it, in terms of actually getting off and, uh, and enjoying it, um, it, it tends to be uh, sort of Easter through October. So it is a still a fairly seasonal um, activity. Maritime tourism, I've learned from uh, my brief research, can take several forms from boat owners who skipper their own vessel uh, to and around Scotland, uh, visitors, experienced sailors who come to Scotland and, and rent a boat and skipper it themselves, tourists who come to Scotland and rather than spending their nights in B&Bs, cottages, hotels, etc., would rather spend their time uh, on a sailboat, on a sailing adventure. And and certainly those who come to Scotland and while they're there want to, to learn to sail. So if we can, let's go through each of those and, and talk about them a little bit. Let's start from the concept of I, I know nothing about sailing as I've sailed once in my sure. life. Um, let me. I haven't even sailed. I've been on a sailboat sailing with someone else skippering, obviously, uh, just once. So I'm coming on a vacation to Scotland, and I'd like to experience a little bit of uh, sailing, maybe even learn a little bit about yeah. it. What's available to me as a tourist for that? Yeah, well, a lot of people do come here specifically to to learn. Uh, with uh, a number of of sailing schools and uh, and charter companies that offer uh, RYA accredited um, uh, instruction right from entry level right through to yacht master level so a huge spectrum um, and part of the reason for that is our, our sailing is, uh, our sailing grounds are very varied from very sheltered uh, sea locks and, uh, and inland waters right through to uh, much more challenging passages so learning to sail somewhere like Scotland means that uh, people are much more likely to become uh, very very accomplished and, and feel confident sailing other places in the world which um, you know for Many the, the sailing certainly in the likes of the Solent, uh, for example, in the south coast, uh, hopping along from marina to marina uh, somewhere like that would be would be very easy for someone who'd uh, learn to sail in Scotland. In terms of somebody coming to uh, to learn, I mean certainly fairly entry level, a uh, sort of day skipper, uh, an RYE day skipper course would it would usually be you know f- around five nights or so, so up to a week, um, and probably priced in around four or five hundred pounds. Um, and that that would be a sort of full boards sort of learn to sail type holiday. So um, it would be you know practicing boat handling and boat in marinas and uh, and uh, and moorings, uh, actually hand, handling the boat whilst at sea and covering subjects like watch keeping, deck work, um, how to cope with emergency situations. Um, really, that that be- beginning to feel confident uh, on a boat and uh, with that initial sort of handling. And before we get too deep into this, you mentioned the RYA. What exactly is the RYA? Sorry, Glenn. Uh, the, the, the Royal Yachting Association is the, the sort of sport governing body for for sailing and uh, and water sports in the UK. So that uh, that covers uh, people wanting to get into right from right from sort of grassroots in terms of youngsters coming into uh, water sports, right through to being responsible for the. Olympic and, uh, and Commonwealth teams uh, at sort of elite sport level. Let's say I, I came to Scotland, I spend a week, and, and I go through this basic course. Do I leave with some sort of a, a basic skipper certification, and would that be recognized? Could I then bring that certification home, say, to where I live here in the States and, and go sailing? 
Uh, yeah, very much so. Yes, I mean the that what I mentioned in terms of day skipper is absolutely it's a certified uh, accreditation saying that uh, uh, that you've met that uh, level of sort of capability. And yes, I mean Royal Yachting Association um, certification is pretty much recognised internationally. Uh, it's uh, we do, of course, a, a lot of visitors coming from from other destinations to the UK have di- differing uh, ways of uh, certification from their countries, but but RYA standards tend to be recognised uh, fairly internationally. Yeah. Let's go to the next level then. I'm a tourist who wants to come and see Scotland, but as I said earlier in my question, rather than spending my time in a B&B or um, riding around in a tour bus and staying at hotels, etc., uh, I'd like to, to do it on a sailboat, see the country from the sea, from the shore. What's available for me there? I'm not, I'm not interested in learning how to sail. I'm coming purely on a get-away-from-it-all vacation, and I want to chill out, relax, but I'd like to do it on a boat. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will do that, and it can be, often we'll find it, it's mixed groups as well. You know, you might have two or three couples or, or a family where uh, where only one person sails. So um, it, it, there's all different shapes of uh, groups want to come on, on sailing holidays one way or another. We, we've got a range of charter operators, which uh, a lot of the boats will go out what we call bare boats. So for, uh, to people who already sail, but... Um, uh, they will take the boat out and skipper it themselves. Um, but the, the other option is a skipper charter. So a skipper will actually accompany um, the visitors on the boat uh, for the duration. So that'll be somebody who's very experienced uh, both in handling the boat, but also in terms of helping to plan where where uh, to sail each day, where to uh, where to anchor and, uh, and stop to make the best of the trip. The other option is uh, is what we refer to as sailing holidays, which they tend to be a much more uh, sort of packaged experience, if, uh, if you like. So um, fully skippered, fully catered. So uh, often, you know, a couple will be uh, living aboard, uh, both skippering the boat, providing all the meals, and there will actually be a planned itinerary. Often these uh, boats will move around the coastline over the course of the season, so people can book on to do a leg for maybe a week or two weeks, for example, around Sky or maybe out to the Hebrides um, through the Caledonian Canal something of that nature. People would often tend to know with those types of holidays where, where, which part of the country they're going to see uh, during the week or two that they're, they're on board. You mentioned earlier about wanting to anchor up and, and be able to enjoy a bit of single malt or some fresh seafood. I was reading where there are catered cruises or sailing holidays, as you were just talking about, where they are, in fact, themed. For example, one I was reading about, uh, the Whiskey Galore cruise, and uh, it was all about sailing and taking in uh, as many distilleries uh, as uh, possible uh, along the route. Are those types of sailing holidays, themed holidays around either perhaps food and drink or around whiskey or perhaps around wild- wildlife, are those popular in Scotland? They, they are, yes. I mean, there's uh, annually, there's um, the, the Maltz Cruise, which uh, is a, a cruising company. So, a, you know, a, a flotilla of boats, uh, I, I guess, for one of a better description, who will, who will visit a number of distilleries um, from Talisker and south side of Skye right down to Island Jura and uh, back up to Oban. Um, that, uh, that event's incredibly popular each year. But actually, you know, people coming to do sailing holidays, um, they, they often will um, ask uh, about, you know, having a theme around, um, often often around whiskey. But what we tend to find, actually, is that probably for most people, the experience, although it might have a theme, um, if people are on the water for a week or two, 
even if even if whiskey is their thing, you're going to see some fantastic wildlife. You're going to see some wonderful other uh, cultural experiences beyond that. Sure. So it's yeah, the themes themselves are are often uh, people's particular interest, but uh, but the experience always goes much wider in reality. And Scotland has uh, tremendous wildlife. Uh, I mean, there's amazing bird life. Uh, the puffins are one of my favorites. They're to me, they're kind of like penguins that can fly. They're just the cutest things. There are whales. There's an awful lot of dolphin sighting I know that goes on in Scotland. So an opportunity to to see wildlife while sailing is, I would think, perhaps even better than perhaps uh, a tour on land. Yes, I, I, I think so. I mean, you, you asked me a moment ago, you know, about, you know, the difference, I guess, between, you know, maybe a, hiring a car or doing it over land and what you might expect in a sailing hall. You know, I, I think you're right. I mean, wildlife's one of the key things, you know, from, from dolphins and minke whales to, you know, sea eagles, puffins, um, all of those, uh, fantastic wildlife experiences are somehow for me much, much more real when experienced from the water because, you know, certainly in the, uh, for, for dolphins and whales, that they actually want to interact with the boats, which means that people getting right up close to that experience is, uh, is something which you really wouldn't be able to get the same um, on, on land. Uh, but it, it's not just the wildlife, actually. It's actually the, the places and the, the landscape that you see on a sailing holiday as well that, uh, that differ uh, to a degree um, in terms of, you know, there's a huge number of uninhabited islands, for example, around Scotland, uh, you know, so, you know, anchoring up for the night somewhere like the Treshnish Isles, for example, where puffins um, are going to be um, your only companions for the evening as uh, as you sit and uh, watch the sun go down, uh, eating uh, your uh, your barbecue on the beach. So, uh, you know, remote peninsulas and uh, Right out to you know a world heritage site at St Kilda. Um, these are these are experiences that can't really be done over land, and I guess it's access to those that uh, that the water and sailing holidays uh, provides. One of the reasons Scotland is is such an outstanding sailing destination is because of the variety that's available from mainland to island crossings, for example, sailing, I guess, from, from the mainland out to uh, perhaps Shetland or Orkney, in and around island hopping, in and around the Outer Hebrides, certainly more inland sailing along the coast, even through areas like the Firth of Clyde, to the point of uh, taking perhaps uh, the Caledonian Canal and and doing some sailing uh, along canals and and through uh, locks, including Loch Ness, is that variety one of the things that you think makes Scotland such a special sailing destination? Yes, in in, in a word, undoubtedly so. I think yes, we find that particularly people who've got a bit more time, and we, there's a lot of people that will come to Scotland. We every every year we get asked, you know, how long do I need to sail Scotland?" The answer is, how long do you have, I, I suppose? Indeed. For, for many people, a lifetime is, is not enough. But uh, the, right. the, the good thing is that, you know, you can create an itinerary, certainly for somebody who's going to come and spend, for example, you know, six weeks or, or even the whole the whole summer sailing around Scotland. You know, the, the, the variety they'll experience uh, during that time, you know, from really wonderful facilities and uh, and modern marinas and the Firth of Clyde, uh, but right up. The you know dozens of islands in Argyll, the, the Northern Isles you mentioned, Orkney and Shetland are fantastic test destinations in their own right. Um, on the east coast, the former fishing harbours, um, and then of course out to Skye and the Hebrides with uh, you know uninhabited islands, long white sandy beaches. It 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 varies greatly, but 
the Caledony Canal that you mentioned is uh, it's one of the things that strings it all together. Um, for example, our visitors coming from Scandinavia will, will often arrive into uh, into Inverness, um, uh, down through the 60 miles of the Caledonian Canal, and then uh, turn north toward Tobermory and, uh, and the Hebrides. But equally, you know, for a lot of our visitors coming from the south of England, for France, from Ireland, will will come up to the Firth of Clyde, maybe through the Crinan Canal. Uh, to get to Argyll, but we'll go through the Caledonian and back round the north of Scotland to again to make it a, a an almost circular trip. So yes, undoubtedly, you know the, the inland waterways and uh, and Scottish canals uh, are really add to the experience. Um, ma- many people actually come and do a canal uh, a canal trip as as their holiday without doing any coastal sailing at all. And doing some of that, some of the inland waterway sailing, just because you're on the water doesn't mean you're going to, you have to give up seeing some of the the great sights that people come to Scotland for. For example, on the Caledonian Canal, you can, you would end up sailing on Loch Ness, which in and of itself is an adventure. I I did take a a little boat trip out onto Loch Ness when I was there. And there, you whether you anchor up and get on land or not, you have a beautiful view of uh, Urquhart Castle. Uh, and then I'm not sure, I don't think it's part of the Caledonian Canal, you'll correct me, but by canal, you can also visit the Kelpies, which are a huge, have become a huge uh, attraction for Scotland. And uh, just adjacent to it, uh, the famous Falkirk Wheel, which actually would be a part of your uh, journey, I suppose, if you were traveling on that canal. Yeah, absolutely right, Glenn. Yeah, it's, um, you know, our, our, our canals uh, in Scotland are are probably quite different from, you know, what I think often when people think certainly about British canals, they think about sort of gently meandering sort of canals that you might find in uh, in a number of areas in England. But Scottish canals are, yeah, quite different. Uh, the Caledonian Canal itself is incredibly impressive. And as you say, the canal system actually uh, goes through a number of locks, including Loch Ness. So as an as a as an experience for a visitor, there, there's much more to it than just passing through the canal. It's, yeah, it's not a lazy barge trip. No, no, indeed, indeed not. And uh, you know, as as you've mentioned, you know, the Fort and Clyde and Union canals take in the the now iconic uh, Kelpies and uh, and the world's only rotating boat lift at Falkirk Wheel. So, yeah, again, f- fantastic experiences. Uh, you know, and doing doing it from the water is. Uh, gives people a different perspective, I think, of, uh, of seeing these things. Often people are looking at Loch Ness from the land, um, looking at the loch rather than getting on the water and, uh, and seeing it from the other way. And wondering when they'll spot Nessie, well, no doubt. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, I, I, I always say, you know, she, she, she likes to take maybe a couple of boats every year just to stave off her hunger through the winter. <laughs> I've not heard that before. That's brilliant. I like that. What about safety on the water in Scotland? If I'm a tourist, how concerned do I need to be about that? It's not something you generally uh, worry about, I suppose, if you're doing, for example, a a group bus tour, Mm. um, other than, I suppose, the odd automobile accident. But being on the water, I think, makes you a a great deal more vulnerable. How do you deal with safety on the water for tourists? You're not asking me specifically in relation to Nessie now, Glenn. You're talking more white. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nessie aside, you know, you, you sure. get on Loch Ness, you take your chances. Yeah, I mean, Scotland is a safe uh, destination for sailing. Uh, you know, of course, you know that uh, being at sea can be hazardous, uh, particularly if people are not prepared or, or, or inexperienced for, for what they're trying to take on. Generally, it, there is a degree of a large degree of self-regulation in, in sailing, and that uh, you know. 
people do, because there's accreditations uh, which people would need in order to take out a charter boat, for example, you know, our charter operators as well would, would speak to people about where they're actually intending to go on their trip and, and offer a bit of advice there in terms of how far it's realistic to get if, you know, if, for example, we've got a week um, and somebody thinks they're going to get um, from the Clyde to St Kilda and back, then, you know, there's there's lots of advice that can be sought. But but beyond that, you know, there's you know there are um, both from from the MCA, the, the Coast Guard, and uh, and the RNLI uh, lifeboats. There's there's actually pretty good coverage, and, uh, and you know a 24 hour uh, search and rescue service, uh, which RNLI operates uh, around the UK and Ireland. So you know, I mean, it, it, it is a safe destination for sailing, but um, but of course, uh, safety is. Uh, uh, very a, a very important part of the learning process about enjoying the water. You mentioned the the RNLI, the Royal National Lifeboat Institute, which is, am I correct in thinking that is actually um, a, a volunteer charity of sort that operates uh, basically a lot of the search and rescue throughout Scotland? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, the RNLI is a huge charity that, um, uh, that, as you say, you know, runs uh, lifeboat services around the UK and Ireland and. Uh, with volunteer crews in, in many instances that, that actually take on that uh, search and rescue role uh, to make sure that, uh, that people are safe. When we say volunteer crew, we're talking about experienced people who volunteer their services. We're not talking about just somebody sh- standing up and saying, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go out on the lifeboat this week and not have a clue of what they're doing. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for many people, you know, they've uh, they've been involved in you know, volunteering for the lifeboat for, for a long number of years for um, you know, I know a number of people who you know have uh, been been doing it indeed for several generations. But regardless, even when new people come on, of course, they're, they're trained to a, ve- a very high level. Some of the seas that, uh, that these people have to go out and um, it uh, it wouldn't possibly be safe for them to attempt a rescue without being very well trained themselves. Again, from a tourist standpoint, if I'm coming over to do, let's say, a sailing holiday, um, I've no doubt there are, depending on what part of the country I want to see, there are probably numerous operators to choose from. How do I know something about the certification of the people that I'm considering hiring for my charter or uh, sailing with? uh, What assurances and and how do I go about finding out that information and making sure that that I just simply select a, a good uh, obviously, quality, experienced um, skipper and crew. It's a good question, and you know, there, there's a number of uh, you know accreditations out there. Um, not least, Sail Scotland itself is a is a membership organisation, so we would certainly recommend any of our ch- charter operators. Um, uh, most of whom, I have to say, are you know also offer uh, Royal Yachting Association instruction, and again, that's a, that's another badge of uh, badge of quality that uh, that not only are the Allowing people to charter their vessels, but but they're also qualified to a degree that allows them to actually be teaching as well. The, you know, the, there's a number of, uh, of of checks in place in that respect that would allow consumers to make sure that they're what they're going to get at the end of it is uh, is the best experience they possibly can. To what extent does my own sailing experience or lack thereof? How much should that be a factor in what type of sailing holiday I consider if I'm coming to Scotland? Um, it definitely would affect it. Um, but, you know, as we've talked about, there's always lots of options for people with uh, with less experience, um, both in terms of, you know, the, the fully skippered, fully catered sailing holidays or chartering a boat but, uh, and having a skipper on board. 
Um, and indeed, even for, you know, there's a number of people who do sail that have sailed for a number of years, um, but perhaps in, you know, in other destinations and they're, they're just not quite confident because they don't know the waters in Scotland. But for people of that nature, you know, cruising in company, as we refer to, is a really good option. Um, the likes of the Maltz cruise that we talked about, for example, uh, where a, a number of boats, dozens of boats will, uh, will do that route all at the same time. Um, so, a really good experience um, because of the theme around it. But actually, the, the idea behind it is very much about about confidence and uh, and safety as well for, for people that don't feel as confident uh, to be sailing uh, here. Sailing in numbers like that gives them the confidence to do that. Well, and there's also, I should think, a um, a community effect to an event or or sailing on a on a holiday like that. I I can liken it to my own experience. I fly hot air balloons, and while I draw a great deal of satisfaction of taking my balloon out and and flying solo, flying alone, there is also a great joy in going out and flying with five or six or ten or twenty. Uh, other pilots and passengers that they might take along, et cetera, so that you end up with a, a uh, you have the individual experience, but you also wrap that in a, a community sort of experience. And surely that must be similar in sailing. Unquestionably so, yes. I mean, I have to say, you know, I think people generally find an incredibly warm welcome just sailing their own boat, um, you know, no matter where they arrive. But yes, a cruising company and and the whole uh, camaraderie and community spirit around an event like that uh, makes it really makes part of the experience for visitors. There's no doubt. There's people that will come back uh, and uh, do the Maltz cruise year after year simply because of that, uh, because of friends they've made and uh, and the experience of of doing it with others that uh, that enjoy similar uh, a similar way to, to to spend their leisure time. And do you have a, a large number of people uh, with regard to maritime tourism that sail into Scotland from other parts of the world? I mean, is it conceivable there are, are sailors who would, for example, sail from the United States to Scotland and then go on a sailing holiday, skippering their own boats? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we'd, uh, we have a huge number of international boats in, in Scottish waters every year. The vast majority of those, I have to say, are from you know, our, uh, other uh, northern European countries particularly the likes of France, Germany, um, Scandinavian countries, uh, all of which, you know, you could sit for people with their own boat, they could sail it here uh, within a few days. Of course, you know, there's events uh, like the Ark, which mean that boats, again, in, you know, cruising uh, a number of boats together will, will cross the Atlantic every year. So we, we do find, uh, for example, American boats uh, in Scottish waters, very often people will be bringing the boat across for, a number of years whenever that's the case and uh, and perhaps uh, starting in Scotland cruising down to the Mediterranean and so on um, it's uh, it's not particularly usual for somebody just to bring a boat over the Atlantic to visit Scotland and, and back within a season yeah I, I suppose that's not exactly your uh, your weekend sailing trip to be crossing the Atlantic no, in, in a sailboat <laughs> So if I uh, if I want to come to Scotland, which I always want to do, um, but now I do have an urge, uh, having done some reading and, and after our chat, to come over and, and see Scotland from the water, do a bit of sailing, where do I get started? I mean, our, our website, Glenn, uh, sailscotland.co.uk, is, uh, is probably the place to start. As you've seen, you know, we've uh, got a lot of information on there about the different sailing areas, but of course, you know, links to the marinas and boatyards, the charter operators, the sailing holiday operators, information about the canals. 
Uh, but even, you know, about, you know, where there is to, to eat and to visit whenever, because people don't stay in the water all the time. Of course, they, you know, they get on land and, uh, and experience all the wonderful things that, uh, that Scotland has to offer beyond the water. You'll find events on their, our, our annual, uh, Sail Scotland uh, guide, uh, is free and, uh, and we send that out in hard copy all over the world, uh, every week. Um, and it's available to download from the site as well. And one thing we haven't talked about, and I guess we should address, it occurs to me as we're talking about anchoring up and getting off the boat, going into the town or a village for uh, whether it be a distillery or to have uh, a nice dinner, whatever. What is the requisite physical capability or recommendations for a successful sailing holiday? I'm guessing persons that have perhaps physical disabilities of one level or another might, in fact, not be best suited for a sailing holiday. Certainly would be able to do it, Glenn. There's no, no question of that. It would, uh, perhaps take a little bit more careful planning around, uh, around where was best, depending on people's ability. Generally, the further north you go in Scotland, certainly in the northwest, you know, there's some fantastic places, as you say, to, to anchor and, uh, and tender ashore. For people of some abilities, that, that might be, uh, that might be a challenge too far. But, you know, there's the ability to actually, tie up at a pontoon or, or a marina um, right from the Clyde right up to, you know, Stornoway um, in, uh, in the Western Isles and uh, indeed Loch Boysdale and Loch Maddy uh, in the Western Isles as well have developed marina facilities in the past couple of years. So th- there is actually, you know, the ability to, to get straight out of the boat uh, onto a pontoon um, right, uh, right around most of uh, Scotland now. Okay, so so if a person has uh, some level of, of physical disability, it wouldn't rule out their opportunity to do a little sailing. No, absolutely not. Like you say, I mean, in fact, there's also a number of people that are operating uh, sort of sailability type uh, organizations that uh, that, we, that we'd be able to put people in touch with as well to to try and assist with uh, with planning a trip. In talking with tourists, you start to hear them talk about it being a magical experience. Um, And you also get a sense, um, I certainly did, uh, really feeling like I belonged there, that this was, was home more so than many other places that I've traveled around the world. Do people who come and experience Scotland from the water exhibit those, those same, um, emotions, that same sense of um, connection to the country, even though they've seen most of it perhaps from the water? Yes, absolutely, Glenn. I mean, the, the, the one thing that, that's unquestionable is that, you know, when we go and do international boat shows, as, as we do a number of times every year, we always speak to people that have, uh, that have been, and as you say, feel that connection, both, you know, and more so than anything else, they want to come and tell you about their experience. You know, they want to Tell you about you know how they experienced the the scenery, the history, the the people. But it's it's so varied in terms of what people can experience. You know, the, the coastline itself is everything from you know from lochs and mountains to, to islands and beaches. But um, from a sailing perspective, I think the fact that it's, it, that's all joined together, I think you know by you know really clear and uncrowded uh, waters. Uh, th- that's the thing that. That for from a sailor's perspective, I think is is very different from a lot of destinations. Um, you know, we we hear a lot of people you know mention words like space and freedom. Um, that very very different from from uh, from anywhere else in Europe as a sailing destination in that respect. You know, the uh, the experience itself is is world class. But what I think sells it for a lot of people is people who really want to sail is that is that feeling of not having to you know. 
phone a marina or, or radio ahead to book a berth that evening is you know just being able to sail freely and uh, and feeling that everywhere is unspoiled. Um, that you know coupled with the you know the wildlife, the food and drink, um, the, the history and heritage, all, all those experiences you you've mentioned from a you know from a land based visitor's point of view. They'll take all that in as well, but uh, but actually, you know, being able to sail for a whole day and perhaps you know only ever see one or two other yachts and uh, in some places in the Outer Hebrides is uh, is a fantastic experience for uh, for most sailors. And not having to get caught in a long line of slow moving caravans. I think you're right. I mean, we we, we do hear it, you know, in some places and uh, you know where there's you know, single track roads in some places in the Highlands and uh, it can get very busy in the summer. The, the fact is that um, that whilst Scotland is carving out a reputation as a, a world-class sailing destination, there's a there's a huge amount of uh, capacity there still uh, that is almost unheard of for somebody not to be able to get into a marina. It's, uh, and, and so often, you know, you can be the only yacht that's, uh, that's anchored off a of an uninhabited island where you can, as I say, you know, share sh- you're sharing the island only with uh, only with the wildlife around you and uh, uh, having a picnic on the beach uh, for your dinner and uh, watching the tides and the uh, and the stars. It's uh, yeah, a-, a magical experience for people to get that. My thanks, as always, to my guest, Mr. Daniel Steele, Chief Executive of Sail Scotland. To learn more about maritime tourism in Scotland check out the links in our show notes at www.underthetartansky.scot. I'd also like to extend an overlooked thank you to Dudley Bryan, Jan, and Bobby Smith, otherwise known as the band Smithfield Fair of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They've graciously granted me unlimited access to their library of Scottish music in support of this podcast. The Sky Boat Song bumper heard in this episode and others, and our closing theme, Swept Away are examples of their fine work. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalev, Agus Alapa Kubra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore Tartan Sky. That's at underscore Tartan Sky. That's the underscore symbol Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening.